0: It's wonderful to worship the Lord. It's wonderful to see God's people become family. Last, last, uh, last night or yesterday, it was a wonderful men's conference here. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it. But what, what I was so thrilled about was Ephesians 4 talks about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. But the end of that particular text says, so that the body may build itself up in love. That's, what it's, that's part of the goal, that the body would build itself up in love. And we had two of our own, Don and Todd coming in, building up other members in the body in areas that God has gifted them in, in love. And, you know, other times it's someone else and someone else and someone else. The Bible says we cannot say we have no need of one another. Hello? We alive? We alive? All right. I thought it was just me. All right. I'm going to have to move quick. I'm going to start by reading you something. It's not going to come up behind me. I got this from John C. Maxwell. It's not in a book. You won't find it. It's something I transcribed a while ago. I changed it a little bit. But it's about a man who fell in a pit. It says here, there was a man who fell in a pit and he couldn't get out. So a subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there. An objective person came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall in that pit. Christian scientists came along and said, you only think you're in the pit. A Pharisee came along and said, only bad people fall into pits. A news reporter came along and wanted an exclusive story on how we fell in the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A Calvinist said, if you would have just been saved, you wouldn't have fallen in the pit. A Wesleyan said, you were saved and you still fell in the pit. Charismatic said, I love this, just confess that you're not in the pit. A realist came along and said, Wow, that's a pit. <laughs> An IRS ca- agent came along and asked if he was t- paying taxes on the pit. A, r- uh, a county inspector asked if he had a permit for the pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self piteous person came along and said, You ain't seen nothing until you've seen my pit. <laughs> An optimist said, Things could be worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. <laughs> Jesus came along, seeing him in the pit, reached out his hand and pulled him out of the pit. And that is an apt description of what I want to talk to you about this morning and probably of the next few weeks, religious systems or a relational kingdom. And I have preached this type of message so many times in this church and sometimes I think, Lord, I, just being real, I'm like, Lord, they know. You hear, I, I never stop flogging this horse. But I realize with all, well, should I say with all my heart, I see over and over that it was probably the number one issue that Jesus faced. And I see it in the church in, the, in this nation. I see it in the church predominantly in the West and also even the far, the far Eastern block. just so much religion. And... Um, but God has actually invited us into, into a relational kingdom. So I wonder if you could turn to John chapter 9 and 10. The reason I, we're going into this is actually the lens we can put on it is the nation of America, I believe, as we look at the year, is like, is like it's, she's lost her soul or her DNA. It's like when a person forgets who they are. And, and often the way the church has responded has not been helpful. And so we're going to look at this text in that light and um, ask the Lord for help. Because in the beginning, right in the beginning, before sin came into the world, it shows you that we have this perspective of heaven. We have this perspective of when God's kingdom invades, God's just going to do everything. Well, before the fall, what happened? you see partnership between God and man. Yes, there was fellowship and relationship, but out of the God walking with them in the garden, out of them knowing his voice, out of that wasn't just about, oh, I know the voice of the Lord. I can hear the voice of the Lord. I can prophesy. Out of that became partnership. And God actually came down to Adam and gave him the distinct privilege in Genesis chapter 2 of naming animals and of putting identity over other parts of his creation. Think about it. And that's needed in our day, bringing back identity as God sees it, but He's asking us to do it. Hello? Yeah. Is it needed? I think so. I, I hope you do too. So, in John chapter 10, we're going to start, we're going to go to chapter chapter 9, that's what we're going to read today, hopefully the whole thing. We'll probably go a little over, so prepare your hearts for that, but I'm going to do my best. But um, in John chapter 10, Jesus is coming, and we're going to look at it this way. I know theologically what it means in John. There was many signs in John. It was, John is the gospel about the divinity of Christ in terms of recognizing that God was in Christ. But John 10, what I saw, this, the Lord revealed this to me a couple of years ago. Sorry, this thing is is. It's like Jesus is outlining that there's going to be a different type of relationship. He's come. He's now about to die on the cross and rise again. He's about to open the way for fellowship with God individually, not just nationally. Yes, they, in a sense, had individual relationships with the Lord. But when the fire of God came down on the temple, it came down on the temple, the nation, in a sense, in one spot. When the fire of God came down in the new covenant, it said there were tongues of fire upon each one of them. So, yes, you are the temple, but we are the temple. I understand there's a corporate expression. But Jesus is about to open the way, and when he died, the curtain was ripped open and access to the presence of God and to his voice. That's why it says in Acts chapter 2, when Peter stands up and talks about when the Holy Spirit came in Pentecost, he said, And they shall prophesy. It doesn't necessarily mean that every person has to prophesy, as in prophecy. It is, for me, the way I see it is, yes, They can because now we can all hear the voice of the Lord if we choose to learn and grow. But he's saying that which was the realm that was restricted only to prophets, to rulers, to kings, to judges, that is now open for everyone. Because it's now the Holy Spirit, God in you, Emmanuel, God with us. So, he starts to open this saying, guys... I want all my people to hear my voice. That, he says that literally, which we'll get into next week. But he says the relationship is going to change. And he starts to tell us what, a little bit of what we're going to look like. So could we go to John chapter 10? We're just going to read a few verses, and we'll do John 9 this week. John 10, Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door... Is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and his sheep and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. He is establishing what a relationship and how he chooses to lead this relationship in the new covenant relationship. I have come to make a new covenant by my blood. How will we do this? By my voice. Hello. They will follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him him, because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. He will go in and out and find pasture, which is spiritual life and spiritual food. So he introduces something different. We have to understand that's not how they were living at the time. To us, we're like, okay, but it was new. And he actually says this is what John 10 is a a relational kingdom view of what it is to walk with the Lord and what it is to, in a sense, be led by his spirit. And the Lord says it like this. You know, in a movie, if you look at a plot or a story, you see there's different characters. Yeah? Look at this. In John chapter 10, the Lord comes along and says there's going to be all these different types of characters that are going to come into play because now the way is opened. I have even sanctified the way for you. I've consecrated the way. You will, even when you struggle and make mistakes, you will still be seen as righteous because I put my righteousness on you. You will always have access to the presence of the Lord. And as you walk with him and learn his voice, it is for the purpose of partnership because I want my purposes done on the earth. Right, I know it's a lot, but it makes sense. Then he says, but it's going to be a little different. What does he say? He says, well... Firstly, what are the different characters he brings up in John 10? Each of these, in a sense, is a voice. Each of these, they desire you, your heart, your attention, your focus. Well, the first thing he brings up is a place, a a sheepfold, which is a place of safety. Then he says there's the good shepherd. There will be under-shepherds, which in the church is leadership or eldership or church authority in the home as parents, under shepherds. There will be other sheep. Oh, and sometimes they bite each other. There will be the voice of strangers, which is actually talking about thieves and robbers and false shepherds. There will be wolves. That word wolves, you know what it means? Gruel, a cruel, greedy, rapacious men. It's a direct attack on God's people. It's not, I'm doing harm, but I'm not aware. That's actually thieves, robbers, and false shepherds. They're not aware. They think they're right. But a wolf is different. And he says there will be hirelings, those who are not shepherds, actually. They're just in it for personal gain, like, you know, farmer chuck and earn. And then there's a thief, the thief, which is the voice behind the thieves and robbers. So is there all these different characters. And he says, you have to learn to discern these because they will all come for your attention. Now, in today's world, I see it everywhere. Everybody has a YouTube channel. Everybody has social media. Everyone has a podcast. They call themselves influencers. And they they are. That's what they're trying. They're trying to bring influence of their truth. Your truth, my truth. No, there is the truth. But these They have influence. They sit behind a screen. They've never actually done anything. They just have thoughts. And they think, man, the world wants my thoughts. And there is so many voices and so much influence that is actually competing for what? For you. You ever ask why? Well, you're made in God's image. There's a value that God has assigned to you that I don't believe people can even fathom. The value and the authority that he's put inside his people. And so there are voices. And he's saying, guys, there's all these voices. There's all these voices. Learn to discern which is which. So the context of John 10, are you ready? This is going to be a genius moment, is John 9. Amazing. (laughs) And Jesus goes into all of this, why? Because of something that happened in John 9. Context is king. So in John 9, the way I look at it, obviously we're looking at it in a sense prophetically or metaphorically. John 9, Jesus heals a man born blind, which is one of the signs in the book of John, proving that he's the Messiah. But I see John 9 and I see a religious system that's trapped. That's what I see. And we've all seen it. That people get, in God's people constantly, myself, all of us, we get trapped in a truth instead of the truth. Whether it's old wine, old systems, old truth. And we get stuck because we prefer, it seems, form and method because we can have some sense of control over that. We don't like what's unfamiliar or uncomfortable. But the Bible speaks, in the New Testament, the Bible speaks about a living spirit a living God, my father used to say this all the time, living water, living oracles, a living Father, a living hope, living stones, a living way. It's alive. It's growing. It's changing. It's moving. It's not static. It's let's go. And that requires relationship, it's not just an understanding. It's not just a theology, it's an actual living person of God and his spirit who wants to speak with you, who wants to have relationship with you, and that relationship is alive, and he's changing and moving. He doesn't change, you understand, but he's moving. There's things that he's doing. So, Jesus is now training his disciples to think differently, to open their eyes, to say, guys, I need you to think differently than you think because I'm about to open the way. And you need, you're going to need to be able to discern my voice. There will no longer be a mediator. You cannot go to Moses. You cannot go to the Pharisees. You will come to me. So you must discern my voice and my spirit. So, can we go to John 9? John 9, chapter 1. It says... Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of God. Sorry, I must work the works of him. You see what I just did there? Sorry. I found myself doing this since I've turned 40. I, I just did this and my heart went, oh no. But it's, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And before he left, he said, what? You are the light of the world. Huh, won't go down that rabbit trail. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man in the clay. And he said to him, go and wash In the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he sent and washed. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So, what is the view of the master? Well, the first thing we see is we see the perspective of the disciples. They see a man born blind and they trained in an Old Testament thinking. Who sinned? This man or his parents? Oh, that's still in the church today. Who sinned? Jesus is like, neither. Why? Because they were, even the presence of God to them was centered around sin. I have to go into the presence of God. Why? To deal with sin. Once a year, the most holy, the the, the high priest. Everything was sin conscious. Hebrews 10 to 12 talks about this. It literally uses the phrase sin conscious. I wake up and I think about what I must not do, what is expected of me. I'm sin conscious. Everything is revolving around sin. Jesus comes to remove the issue of sin. He says, I need to, to cause you, to, to help you to understand how to look with God's eyes. To no longer just be sin conscious, but now God conscious. How does God see this? How does Jesus see this person? How does Jesus see this situation? How does God look at this? They only had one concept, sin. Who sinned? It wasn't even like, maybe it's got nothing to do with that. Who sinned, him or his parents? Jesus, the view of the master, neither. Hmm. Neither. Jesus, and I know this is a challenging statement, saw the enemy's work as an opportunity to reveal his father. What do you see? The problems in the nation. The problems that we have. How does God see them? We often ask the same question. What did I do wrong? Maybe that's the wrong question. Sometimes we ask why when we shouldn't ask why. Because why leads us to a conclusion that God doesn't, is not bringing. Sometimes we should ask a different question. Lord, how do you see this? What is your perspective here? How do you, what comes into your heart when you look? Lord, instruct my heart. Teach me in the night seasons, whatever it is. And you just begin to ask the Lord, how do you see this? The disciples revealed their mindset, who sinned. The Lord sees the enemy's work as an opportunity for the glory and the Holy Spirit to work something. You know, if you, talk about, if you ever do a study on the word glory, the number one time throughout the Bible, and the number two, I think, is the, the fire by day and cloud by night, number three is like way down, where it says you know god got glory or received glory or the glory of the lord was revealed is through the miraculous across all different covenants through the works of god it's not power hungry it's actually that which brings god the glory lord we need to sometimes see purpose what are your what is your purpose here i see a problem god sees a purpose god sees a plan so he's trying to shift their thinking. I'll tell you, oh, I don't have time, a little quick story. I went to a wedding many years ago. I always have to try think of a story to try and help us understand or to, to, to show, and, uh, but I can't use anyone here, and I've been here for like a long time, so it gets more difficult. But years ago in South Africa, I, I went back and I visited for a wedding, and I went to this wedding, and there was a gentleman there who's one of my cousins, and he used to be someone I looked up to, and he's, he's a great guy. And uh, he's just, he just became this broken shell of a man, and he's sitting there, and he's smoking one cigarette after the next. And, um, and I'm looking at him, and I mean, I was no better. Yeah, you know. So there was zero judgment, but my heart broke for him. And I heard people as they went in the wedding, uh, people in my family, not my immediate family, people you don't know, just Christianese judgment. And it made me so angry. And, I, and then he ran out of cigarettes, and he went around, asking people and so i just stood there i said lord what do i do here and the lord just gave me one word dignity so i quickly went to the store down the road and bought a carton of cigarettes and in the religious world would be like ah. and i went and i said hey bro come here's a carton of cigarettes and he just looked at me and said why would you do this i said you're my family you don't i don't want you having to do that and he just began to cry and then I got to speak to him about the Lord. Yeah, not a religious mindset. So, let's look at the religious community. Next verse. That's how the Master sees it. What does the religious community see it? How do they respond? Well, it gets pretty sad. Next week will be better. Next week is good news. This week is like interesting. <laughs> Therefore, the neighbors and those verse eight. Therefore, the neighbors and those who had previously seen who he was. Um, had seen that he was blind, said, Is this not he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. (laughs) Pretty funny story, actually. Therefore they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He answered, A man called Jesus. I've underlined that. man called Jesus. Made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So he didn't lie. So I went and I washed and I received sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. (laughs) Okay. Firstly, what do we see in a very religious community, in a religion centered way of thinking? Not just a sin issue, that's who Jesus is trying to change, his disciples. Is that they relate to this person based on who he was, based not based on who Jesus said he is? Isn't this he who begged? Isn't this he who was blind? He's not blind anymore. (laughs) We relate to people sometimes based on their past instead of who God says they are. And sometimes we don't see the potential come out because we keep treating them based on who they were. Jesus treats them who they can be. Thank goodness the Lord doesn't relate to me based on my past. And thank goodness he doesn't relate to you based on yours. Thank goodness he speaks to the new creation inside of you and says, I believe in you. This is who you are. This is what I've called you to. This is how the Lord is training his people to think in our day. I don't fully understand this next generation coming behind me. I'm being honest. But I will never have favor in a room I throw stones in. relates to people, the religious mind relates to people based on their struggle. Then, he said, then they say, he is like him. This is a lack of spiritual discernment. Before people, these are God's people. Not even These are God's people. Before people will believe the supernatural. They will believe the mythical. They will believe the superstition. They will believe the fantastic. They believe, no, no, this guy who's been raised all our life, Suddenly a twin appeared. Suddenly a guy came along and it, it, it looks like him as a twin. That's what's hap- that, that explains it. What? Because if the supernatural, if God's people put aside who God is, they have to find an explanation. It's not gonna make sense and it's gonna lead nowhere healthy. You know, something happens. Something that uh, we can't explain. And people say, you know, they have an accident or something happens because... And they're like, well, you know how these things work. Like, no, I don't. Why do not you tell me? Because I know who he is and that's not him. Superstition, it's everywhere. All these voices, all these characters coming for you, coming for your heart. Because of the value you have in the kingdom. What does he say and then then you see the power of god is not an option never even came to their mind god's people never came to their mind no one says well maybe god healed him these are god's people no it's not an option that's not part of the consideration and i see it in the church today doesn't even come into the discussion he says a man called jesus then what do they do they demand an explanation This is another thing that happens. They come to a newly saved person and they demand a theological explanation. (laughs) It's and it's pretty cruel, actually. Tell us what happened. He says, "I don't know." Person gets saved, they come into the church. Are you are you doing this, this, this? Whoa! I'm just trying to stop smoking. Demand an explanation says, I, I don't know, but I know I'm changed. I just know that I'm different. I don't know how to explain that sometimes. That needs to be okay. Hello? What's missing in the religious community's response? What's missing? Well, nobody spoke to him. Nobody rejoiced with him that he was blind, and now he can see. No one. I probably, he wanted to see his family, the sea, the sky, grass, he's never seen. The religious system tends to be more concerned about how what happens fits with their worldview in order to feel comfortable and assured than learning to reach the heart of the person. Jesus helped him out of the pit. Everyone else talks about it. God will not be boxed. Sometimes he has to use donkeys because these people are so stuck. (laughs) If you've had this done to you, forgive them. Do it now. Don't wait. Do it right now. If you've done this for others, forgive yourself. Do it now. There's no empowerment in neglect and rejection. There's no empowerment there in guilt. I've done this to people, not... Not, not, didn't mean to. didn't see it. Let's talk about a religious leadership. Now it gets interesting. Verse 13, next verse. We're just going through the chapter. They brought him who formerly was blind, at least they got getting that, that right, to the Pharisees. Now it was a Sabbath. Oh boy, here we go. It was a Sabbath. You know, when my son got healed, I, we fasted. We weren't even fasting for that. He got miraculously healed of allergies. Uh, miraculous. I don't have time to go to the story. We have medical reports one time to the next. It was severe allergies. His skin would flake. I mean, it was very brutal. And I thought of this, these stories when he was healed and we could take him to a restaurant and he could eat a pizza. We used to have to take him from every birthday. No one could touch him. I mean, it was rough. And... I thought, and I started to cry when I thought, if someone came to me and said, I'm glad your son got healed, but instead of that they say, oh, wrong day. Probably would have punched him. <laughs> probably. Let's pretend I, I wouldn't, but probably. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. The Pharisees also asked him again, this poor guy how he had received his sight. He said to them, he, he put clear on my eyes and I washed, and I see. His answers are getting shorter. <laughs> He's like, listen, I, he did the thing I, and I'm good, right? <laughs> Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner, that's other Pharisees, It says some of the Pharisees and it says others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And now there's a division among them. So how does the religious leadership respond? Religious tradition above kingdom truth. Religious tradition above kingdom truth. You know what? If you go look at the, who knows, if you read the gospels just one time, just one time, You won't remember most of it. But if I had to ask you, did the Pharisees like Jesus healing on the Sabbath? You would have read it so many times. Like, no. You know that it wasn't against the law of the Old Testament. It was against something called the tradition of the elders. It was against the things that the, the Pharisees and the elders of the day had made part of God's law. But if you read the law, it's actually not there. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. He had to do it perfectly. So now, he does something, they don't like it. Because they've replaced their perspective, their interpretation of truth, above actual truth. And then they hold everybody accordingly. They judge everyone according to what they deem is true. So when tradition... Religious tradition rises above truth. What happens? Where does it lead to? It leads to lies being declared as truth. What is the lie? This is blatant lie. This man is not from God. Yet he's the Lord. This is what religion does. Declaring lies as truth. While being convinced... That they're right. Spiritual arrogance. Spiritual pride. The same thing is happening in the world right now. Everyone is standing on their pulpit and their podium, whatever side, whatever angle, and they are speaking their truth. Instead of coming against them with your truth, ask them, Lord, how do you see this person? Because you will stand and debate and argue all day. There are things, sorry, this thing is really irritating me, there we go. There are things that, there are heels we should die on, I understand. There are, there's things we will not compromise. But if you can, go for the heart of the person. If you win the heart, sometimes I've met so many people and talked to them about stuff just in a way to try and understand. And it, a lot of them don't really believe in what they're saying. They're just along for some ride. I want to believe in something. I want to be part of something and we come at them ah, with our truth, I encourage you, ask God about the person. Don't compromise. Don't. Not for a second. And that may cause you to lose your life one day. So be it. But ask God how. Lord, how do you see this person? How do you see this situation? Because when we hail tradition above truth, we end up losing truth. Am I speaking to somebody? Then what else? The preservation of the status quo. That's their that's their goal. We must preserve the status quo. None of them have the humility to ask. Maybe we're wrong. Actually some of them said no one a sinner can't do this, now they're divided. It wasn't are they wrong? It's Your view, my view, let's have a debate, let's have a discussion. And now they're divided, because there's a dilemma. If they say this is of God, they reveal to everyone, oh, all the leaders for all these years, all the stuff we've been telling you, oh, we're wrong. Oh, they're not going to do that. Have to preserve status quo. So let's go into a room as leaders and talk about it. Stepping on some golden calves today. Friends, i face faced this in my own heart. I'm being honest. I've faced this in my own heart. Doesn't You don't wake up and want to think like this. Sometimes I've said something in the past and I walk away going, Lord, that was, that was a religious mindset. That wasn't you. Now what do you do? Hopefully you go back and be honest. And apologize. You'll find you, that heart, that person, not that they should you know, there might. No, but then now there's a connection. That's what humility does. Then there's a division. We're going to have to end soon, but when there's a division in God's house, that, sh- that the world will never see the Lord in his body when they're fighting. Just what? Fruit of the religious system. What's some of the fruit? Well, let's go to verse 17. We're going to go about another 10 minutes. You guys okay with that? You guys good? If you need to leave, please go ahead um, and pray for the children's church workers. So, verse 17, next verse. Then they said to the blind man again, this poor guy, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind. And received his sight. His own people. They were like, no, you're a liar. Until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How now, how, how does he see now? Like, now they want an explanation from them. They weren't there. So, what are some of the fruits that sometimes when a religious system takes hold of our thinking instead of a relational kingdom? Well, you'll see early growth is damaged, like I said earlier, newborn person, and we just come at them. doesn't help. What do you say about him? What is your testimony? What happened? You'll damage a person that way. Mistrust in the family of believers. They did not believe his testimony. I've seen this in my heart too. People come and say, this amazing thing happened. But I know them. I've sat opposite the desk. I've counseled them. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. I think they're just insecure. They, oh, man. Oh, can't we be honest? I've had that. Then I've got to walk away and go, Lord, that's the wrong heart. Just because of the way or what I know, Does that going to stop the Lord? This person was a blind beggar. Society in their day, he was the lowest of low. God's like, I'm going to actually reveal myself to you. mistrust in the family of believers. And I tell you, I'm being honest. How many times I've had to say, Lord, heal my unbelief. And humility will do that. Not much else. And then from there, it's a slippery slope downwards. What are other some fruits? His parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. Oh, in a religious system, hirelings are formed. Why, why did they say that? He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, that he would be, they would be put out of the synagogue. Then the parents said, He is of age, ask him. So they called the man who was born blind and said, Give him, give God the glory. We know that this man, talking about Jesus, we know this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know, this poor guy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? Hello? What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Wow. So... The fruit of a religious system, can I just run through this quick? Hirelings are formed. People in spiritual authority abandoning their post because of what may happen to them. They don't want to be kicked out of the system. Hirelings, not shepherds. Then control the response of people to God. Give God the glory. Glory. Controlling people's response or approach to God. Nobody has the right to do that to anybody else ever. There's no longer a mediator. It's you and him. Then what? Methods. How did he do it? What did he do? Give us like how. Methods begin in a religious system to replace relationship. How? We want to know how, number one, so we can catch him. We want to know how. Give us the methodology. What did he do? Did he put his hand here? Did he, oh, I've seen it. Can I, in charismatic circles, oh my goodness. How do you lay your hand? What do you do? Do you have to say the right thing? Do you have to? Relationship, hosting who God is here. And it leads to missed opportunities. I'm just going to close. They begin. Ex- they expel the man. Well, let me just read the rest of the story. He answered them. He said, "I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want this? Is, this I love this. I think this guy. I'm like man. This guy's so funny. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples?" So smart. I'm like, I like this guy. <laughs> then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple. This actually, verse 28 is 28 and 29, is the foundation of error right here. You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Correct. They weren't lying. That's the issue that's always the issue. The man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners. See the old mindset still even in the one who has just got saved. God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. And since the world began, it's true in the Old no record of it. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sin. We all were. You were born in sins, and you are teaching us. And they cast him out. Religious pride and arrogance. To, to form a status quo. Missed opportunities. Judging someone who God mightily touched and changed. Missing the opportunity of a, of a way to actually see and think differently. Because I must be right. Religious mindset. And expelling a person. There were different forms of this. I wish I had time to go into it. You weren't allowed, to, if it was the, the most gentle form of excommunication, you weren't allowed to go near another person you know, Jewish person, for six weeks, you weren't allowed to go within six foot of them. Sorry, for 30 days, not within six foot. The second was for a much longer period of time and you were excluded from everything, everything. Even temple sacrifice, services, food, fellowship, temple finances, everything cut off. So if the day of atonement came and you happened to be excluded, that in his mind meant no forgiveness of sin. And then the final one, the most harsh, is that forever. And it seems to lend itself in the Greek that that's what they did. What did they do? Because they were religious, they couldn't see it, they expelled him. They put him in the position that God just set him free from, isolation. He's been isolated all his life. And the church says, get out. Uh, what is the response of the master? I am the Messiah. He reveals himself to this man, and the man worships him. The Jewish man worships him. You know what's interesting to me? There was a greater response from the man when he understood who Jesus was than he responded to what Jesus did for him. That's real worship. This is the context of why Jesus starts John chapter 10. My sheep must hear my voice. There will be so many things competing for your focus and your attention. So we are going to take the next little couple weeks to say, Lord, what does a relational kingdom look like? And how do we function in this? Amen? bless you. Thank you.